I'm Meg Dahl, your unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. To a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. If you're new here, my name is Meg. And if you're not new, if you're a regular listener, well, welcome back. I'm so excited to have you back this week. So I had an idea over the weekend. Last week on Instagram, I put up a question sticker just because we hadn't done a like Q&A, ask me anything type of thing over on Instagram for quite a while. So I like doing that from time to time. And why, like one of the reasons why I like doing that is it kind of gives me an idea of the things that are on your mind. Obviously, it gives me an idea of like some of the topics or questions that you have for me. And I just really love like seeing what's coming up for you or what you're working through or just like maybe those questions that are on your mind and you feel like I can help you with them. So I really do like the Instagram question stickers for that reason. But like I said, over the weekend, I was thinking that I actually know a lot of you who listen to the podcast on a regular basis, like you're either not on Instagram. And I actually didn't realize this until, um, you know, my clients and I, I, I started working with a lot of new clients at the beginning of this year. And a lot of them let me know that they deleted Instagram and they're not on Instagram anymore. And they just kind of connect with me, obviously through our one-on-one sessions, but outside of our sessions, they like listen to my podcast and stuff like that. So I thought that was really interesting. So with all that being said, I know that a lot of you who listen to this podcast might either not be on Instagram at all, or with the algorithm being how it is, you know, it's super easy to miss things on Instagram. So I was thinking that because on Instagram, you know, when I'm answering questions, there's kind of only so much I can say on Instagram. Um, You know, you're not going to be reading 10 paragraphs of what I have to say in order to answer a question. So when I'm answering questions on Instagram, I try to keep it like kind of concise, but also provide you with a good answer. And I was thinking that, hey, maybe I can just take these questions that I get on Instagram and make them all into podcast episodes, especially since this is obviously stuff that you want me to talk about or questions that you have. And of course, like I am creating content for you and I want to be creating content that I know is like relevant to what is happening in your life. Or like I said, just these questions that you have 
on your mind for me and you're coming to me with these types of questions. So that's kind of what I'm thinking that I'm going to do. Obviously, like nothing is changing about the podcast episodes, but typically my podcast episodes kind of are inspired sometimes from what my clients and I are discussing in sessions. Like if I see an obvious theme one week, I'm like, ooh, that would make for a really great podcast episode topic. But what I'm thinking is I am going to do these Instagram Q&As once a month and see what questions come up. And then I can use those questions for podcast episodes. So today we are talking about fasting. Like what is the deal with fasting? Now, this is not a topic that I would have came up with all on my own just because I do not subscribe to the fasting world or the intermittent fasting kind of like way of life that um, people do. So that's not something that I do personally, but I do have thoughts and feelings and insights about it as a holistic nutritionist and also a somatic experiencing practitioner. I have a lot of thoughts and things that I can offer. And this is actually one of the questions that came up when I asked you all to send me questions. Someone was wondering what my thoughts were on intermittent fasting and just fasting in general. So I would love to talk about this today, (laughs) Um, especially because when I did answer this question on on Instagram, it seemed like a lot of you really enjoyed like talking about this topic too. Like this was something that not only just answered a question for one person, but I think it really kind of hit home for a lot of people and I was getting even more DMs about it. So I was just like, okay, this is a perfect question to start off with um, for a podcast topic. So let's kind of just get into it. My thoughts on intermittent fasting and fasting. Um, I'm pretty sure every single person listening to this right now knows what fasting is. You know, it's just not eating and intermittent fasting is essentially just only eating for basically a certain window and then you're fasting for another window. So, you know, you kind of choose these hours of the day where you're allowing yourself to eat. And then outside of those hours, you're not eating. That is your fasting window. So that's just all that intermittent fasting and fasting is. And here are my thoughts on all of that. (laughs) So I could really like sum it up in just one sentence, but we're going to get into it today. But honestly, your body thrives when it is fed and properly nourished. And here's the thing about fasting is, you know, it's, it really has become such a kind of like buzz topic or word in diet culture and just 
you know, the health and wellness world, I think um, people think that this idea of fasting is just so fascinating and it has um, all of these benefits and everything like that to just sticking to a certain window of eating. But here's the thing. When we go to bed at night, so I think the average person probably goes to bed and I could be totally wrong on this, but the average person probably goes to bed between 10 and 11 or maybe like 10 and 12 p.m. We'll just say that maybe we'll make this window a little bit larger. I know I personally lately I have been falling asleep before 10 p.m. lately, but typically my bedtime is 10 p.m. So we can even just use me as an example here. So I go to bed, let's say every single night at 10 p.m. And I sleep solid until 6 a.m. Now that is a solid eight hours of sleep, but it's also a solid eight hours without eating. So eight hours of going without any food at all. Now that is a fast. That is an eight hour fast. And I like to call that just a natural fast. Like we all naturally fast throughout the night while we are sleeping. And eight hours is a really long time to go without food. Now, remember, when we are sleeping, we are still alive. And if we are alive, even if we are sleeping and lying down or sitting on the couch and maybe just reading a book or maybe we're just like lying on the couch and not doing anything like we can be not moving so whether that's sleeping or just lying on the couch just kind of vegging out type thing if we are alive we are still burning calories okay so when I'm sleeping, for an example, because we're using me as an example here. So if I'm sleeping from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. every single day, that is eight hours of me sleeping without going, without eating, and I am still burning calories. So when I'm waking up in the morning, and by the way, this is just kind of like a tidbit of how our physiology works. And I think when it comes to nourishing our bodies, it's so helpful to actually like understand how the body functions and just like kind of all the inner workings of our body, like what's happening with our hormones during the day and things like that. But when we wake up in the morning, our cortisol is typically at its highest or that's kind of when it should be at its highest. So if someone has kind of optimally functioning cortisol levels, your cortisol is going to be the highest in the morning and then gradually it is going to decrease throughout the day and be its lowest in the evening. And that's why, you know, if we do have optimal cortisol levels 
that's why, you know, we want to feel in the mornings like alert and ready to start the day rather than groggy, for an example. And in the evenings, that's why, you know, we'll naturally feel like, oh, I could just crawl into bed. I feel relaxed. I feel like I could easily fall asleep. You know, if we're feeling that way, has a pretty good indicator that our cortisol is doing what it's supposed to be doing. So it's elevated first thing in the morning. And that's why we feel like we have the energy to get up, get out of bed, start our day. And then when it's at its lowest in the evening, that's why we should feel ready to go to bed. And like we can relax and actually like drift off into a restful sleep. Now, that's definitely not the case if cortisol isn't optimally functioning, but that's not really what this podcast episode's about, so I don't need to go in super detail about how cortisol can actually be out of balance, but I just wanted to add that as a side note so you kind of understand that typically in someone with a optimally functioning cortisol levels, we'll see cortisol highest first thing in the morning and then lowest at night. And now when we wake up in the morning, knowing that cortisol is likely or should be at its highest, okay, and cortisol is also that hormone that's called the stress hormone, okay? So Cortisol is elevated first thing in the morning, or it should be, and this is the stress hormone. And the thing about cortisol and the stress hormone, you know, for lack of a better word, when we go without food, that cortisol just keeps going up and up and up and up and up and up because going without food is actually stressful on the body. The body doesn't like that. That doesn't feel safe for the body. That actually feels very stressful on the body. And so when the body is stressed or it feels like it's in this stressful situation, it is going to try or produce cortisol. So there's more stress hormones in the body. So let's say we wake up in the morning, like I wake up 6 a.m., pretty much on the dot every single morning. I wake up 6 a.m., my cortisol is at its absolute highest in the day, or we'll just say it's at its highest, okay? So then I go straight to the kitchen and eat my breakfast. So I'm eating breakfast within those first 30 minutes of waking up. Now, this is a wonderful practice to get into because this is actually supporting my body in feeling safe and nourished and fed. So this is supporting my hormones and also my nervous system, which we're going to talk about a little bit later on in this podcast episode. However, in the past, I like that years ago, I did not eat breakfast first thing in the morning. I thought 
that, hey, I can go take Penny for a walk. I can do a workout. You know, I was pushing my body to do all of these things and basically waited until I was ravenous to eat. Okay, like to the point where I could have ate my arm or all of Penny. Like I would wait until I got so hungry. Now, what that's doing inside is that's creating a really stressful environment inside of us. That's elevating cortisol levels because we're pushing past when we're hungry or just pushing past that natural fast. And when we go farther and farther and farther into our day without eating, those stress hormones just elevate. So in order to support that in not happening, a really great practice is actually eating within those first 30 minutes of waking up. Now, if that's like a totally new concept for you and you're used to waiting maybe like four hours, you know, okay, maybe we can start with like a one hour window. So within those first 60 minutes of waking up. But really when we kind of approach nourishing our body from like, okay, how can I support my hormones? How can I support my cortisol? How can I support my nervous system? With all of that in mind, it really is so helpful to be nourishing your body within those first 30 minutes of waking up. Like I said, the farther we push ourselves into the day or the longer we make that natural fast that's happening overnight that's just more stress on the body and causing those cortisol levels to just go up even more and that's not something that we want to do so the next topic that I'd like to talk about when it comes to my thoughts on fasting or even intermittent fasting is your thyroid. Because fasting and not eating regularly or enough is really stressful on your thyroid. Your thyroid just does not like that. Now, you might be thinking if you're not really familiar with your thyroid, you might be like, why does that even matter? (laughs) Well, your thyroid is actually kind of like this main command center of very, like, so many operatings within your body. So your metabolism, for an example, that that is your thyroid. Your thyroid is like this control center for so many functionings within your body. So we want to make sure that the way that we are taking care of ourselves, and this goes far beyond food, but the way that we're nourishing ourselves with food, the way that we're moving our body, just the way that we're moving throughout our daily life and the things that we're doing, we want to make sure that the things that we're doing are supportive for our thyroid because of how central it is for our health overall. Because it's like I said, kind of like this main like command center in a way. 
So we want to make sure that we're supporting the thyroid. Now, when it comes to supporting the thyroid, we want to be make sure, making sure that we're actually eating enough food. This is really important. When we're not eating enough food, yet again, this is very stressful on the body. And we'll talk a little bit more about this later when I'm talking about the nervous system. But the thyroid does not thrive when we aren't getting sufficient calories in. So we want to make sure that we are getting sufficient calories. Now, when it comes to intermittent fasting or fasting in general, can you eat enough calories within a certain window? Absolutely, you can. Let's say someone needed 3,000 calories, but they only ate from, let's say, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Like that's that's a pretty solid window, like 12 hours, right? Can someone get 3,000 calories in within that window? Absolutely. Okay. But when someone's following intermittent fasting, it's usually not like a 12-hour window. It's usually quite a bit smaller. But I just wanted to kind of address that. Can someone eat the amount of calories that maybe their body needs in a certain amount of window or in a certain amount of time, yes, they can. But that is something that we want to make sure we're doing in order to support the thyroid is eating enough food. Now, even though people can eat enough food within maybe their like eating window, for an example, are they? No. They're probably not eating enough food. So that's one of my other issues with fasting is if you are limiting yourself to eating just to a certain like eating window, it's likely that you're already falling short on how many calories you're eating in a day. So it's likely that you are ending the day without eating enough for your body and your needs, which is not good for the thyroid. Like I said, the thyroid needs sufficient calories in order to function properly and thrive. So that's one point. Another way that we want to be supporting our thyroid is blood sugar balance. Now we support our blood sugar by making sure we're like combining foods. So Our meals and snacks have a nice balance of protein, carbohydrates, and fats. So if our meals and snacks are including all three macronutrients, that's great. And it's likely that your blood sugar is going to be balanced from including all three of those. But another important piece to balancing your blood sugar is actually eating often or kind of consistently throughout the day. So not going long, 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 long periods without eating. Once again, I'm sure you can see how this is one of my issues with fasting because fasting actually pushes us to go longer periods of time without eating, which isn't supportive for our blood sugar and therefore is not supportive for our thyroid. So two ways 
to support our thyroid is eating enough and making sure that we're eating like consistently and regularly throughout the day in order to support blood sugar balance. And if we're not doing those two things, the thyroid isn't going to be too happy about that because those two things support thyroid function. Now with fasting, it's likely that those two things aren't happening, especially the blood sugar balance one and likely falling short on calories. So therefore fasting does not really usually support thyroid health. So that's another issue that I have with it because If we are wanting to eat in a way to support our bodies, um, I think it's more important to focus on eating to support the thyroid than fasting because there's a lot of issues with that. Now, another thing that I would like to talk about in regards to fasting is this is just a really easy way to obsess about food. So this kind of goes hand in hand with the nervous system. So I'll kind of be linking in the nervous system here and moving into that topic. But when we are limiting food or restricting food, and remember, food is something that we as humans or every single living thing on this earth like food or nutrients or nourishment is something that we living beings need to survive so when we are restricting something that is so vital for us to live the body feels like that is a threat And it's going to put all its focus on getting what it needs. Okay, so that's really important to remember here. Now, I know a lot of you who listen to this podcast episode come to me with histories of poor relationships with food or disordered eating or even diagnosed eating disorders like I've had in the past. And so many of you listening to this episode are very familiar with what it's like to be obsessed with food. Now, a lot when and this is just a personal share now, but the only times in my life where I felt obsessed with food or felt like I thought about food a lot the only times in my life when I felt like that were also the only times in my life where I actually wasn't eating enough as soon as I started to eat enough all of those thoughts about food and the obsessions about food or you know opening up Pinterest or Instagram or any type of social media to find new recipes and plan out recipes or just like fixate on food or worry about what I was going to eat the next day or the next meal or worry about what I just ate. Like when I was constantly in that mindset of thinking about food, those were the only times in my life when I wasn't eating enough. And I can promise you that 
I promise you. As soon as I started to eat enough and nourish my body with the amount of calories that it actually needed, no longer was I ever thinking about food. Of course, there was like we want those natural fluctuations throughout the day where, you know, we wake up and it's like, ooh, I can eat breakfast. So we go down or maybe maybe your bedrooms aren't upstairs in your house and your kitchens, not on the main floor. But whenever I refer to eating, I'm always like go downstairs, eat. But, um, you know, we want to wake up with an appetite and then go a few hours and then there's going to be a moment maybe mid-morning where you're like oh like maybe you're just like totally in the middle of doing what you're doing and then there's just this thought that like oh I'm kind of hungry right now or oh I could eat so that is normal I want to normalize like it's not that I'm saying the end goal is to never, ever, ever, ever think about food. Okay. Because it's normal and healthy to have these like fluctuations throughout your day where you can go a few hours without even thinking about food at all. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I'm hungry for lunch or, Oh, I think I need a snack right now. What's not normal or what I experienced when I wasn't eating enough food was I would eat breakfast and then all day I was either thinking about my breakfast and how I couldn't wait to eat that same breakfast the next day or I was thinking about what I was going to have for my snack later that afternoon or I was thinking about what I was going to make for dinner, or I was on social media scrolling all of the food accounts that I follow and just looking at pictures of food. And to me, that sounds so foreign now. I was going to say like, this sounds so crazy or wild, but those aren't the right words because it's not crazy. It's not wild. And I know a lot of you experience that now. And so it's not crazy. I totally get it. I've been there myself. And, but like, it sounds so foreign to me now because it's been years since I have felt that way. But I know it's so real. I know that so many of you experience that on a daily basis. And what I'm getting at here is the only times in my life where I experienced that was when I was not eating enough. So getting back to our topic of fasting is restricting yourself from food is a surefire way to obsess about food even more. So if you already find yourself, you know, thinking about food a lot, maybe that's a good place to start is getting really honest with yourself while listening to this podcast episode and getting curious, okay, maybe I'm not eating enough food. And as you all know, like this is something that I absolutely love to support my clients with. And I am almost full for one-on-one clients, but I do have some openings right now. Now, so if that is something that interests you, absolutely reach out to me. I have my contact info in the show notes of this episode. 
or you can, you know, just go to my website and fill out my client request form there and I will get back to you. But I want you to know that you don't have to live your life obsessing about food and you absolutely can experience the days that I experience now where I wake up, I eat breakfast, I do my thing. And then a few hours later, it's like, oh, I could have a snack. And then even as I'm recording this podcast episode, I started, I wasn't thinking about food. I was thinking about all the things that I wanted to talk about during this episode. And now it's like, 15-ish minutes away from when I usually eat lunch or when I usually start getting ready to eat lunch and I can feel like okay I have a little bit of an appetite right now so that is normal those normal fluctuations throughout the day where you're ready to eat or you have an appetite to eat that's normal but the constant like thinking about food and obsessing about food that you like that does not have to be your reality if you don't want it to be. So that's what I will say about that. And I just don't think that fasting is supportive in thinking about food less. It's likely going to cause you to think about food more. And I think we have so many other things in life to think about other than food, what we just ate, what we want to eat, and that sort of thing. So moving on to the last portion that I want to talk about in regards to my thoughts on fasting is really how it relates to the nervous system. So our nervous system is always scanning for safety and danger. I've talked about this in a previous podcast episode and it's called neuroception. It's something that's always happening. We don't even realize it's happening. It's just going on behind the scenes. And I think that just kind of gives you a little bit of an idea of how incredible our bodies are because our bodies and our systems are just always doing things behind the scenes that we don't even know is happening. And like I said, this is called neuroception. The body's always scanning or the nervous system is always scanning for safety danger, safety danger. Now, as I said at the beginning of this episode, when we were talking about food and when I just started talking about fasting in general, I was saying how not having enough food or lack of food, lack of calories coming in is actually really stressful on the body. Like I said before, we need food and enough calories, enough energy coming in. We need that in order to survive and function properly. So as soon as there is a lack that can be or is really stressful on the body. And like I said, the nervous system always wants to feel safe. And when it doesn't feel safe, we're going to enter a self-protection response. Now, again, there's been previous episodes of this podcast where I've talked about the three main states of the nervous system. There's the ventral state. So ventral is where we feel present and safe and connected. And then we have the sympathetic state of the nervous system, which is also 
most commonly referred to as the fight or flight response. So this is that mobilization state. So this is where it's like, I don't feel safe or I feel like there is a threat and I need to go do something about it. So that fight or flight response, that mobilization type of energy. And then there's also the dorsal. Sometimes the dorsal is referred to as freeze. Um, We don't need to get into the nitty gritty of that. There are previous podcast episodes on these states, but that's kind of a summary. And the dorsal is that immobilization. It's like, I feel like I am in danger and I cannot do anything about it. Not doing anything is actually going to keep me alive. So that's like that dorsal response. So I just needed to do a little bit of an overview about that in order to talk about when we're restricting calories, not getting enough energy in and causing ourselves or making ourselves fast longer than our bodies actually want to. Like I said, that does not feel safe for the body. And when the body doesn't feel safe, we're going to go into one of these self-protection responses. And most often what I see in my clients, it's that sympathetic fight or flight type of response and a label that a lot of people use is well I have anxiety so that anxiety that's that mobilization type of energy so if you feel like anxiety is something that you experience quite a lot of that's like you're living in that sympathetic state or that sympathetic state is where you kind of are hanging out a lot of the time. That's a self-protection response because there's some reason the body doesn't feel safe. And this is what I typically see with clients who aren't eating enough food, right? Because the body doesn't feel safe. So one of those self-protection responses are going to come online. And We don't want to be spending the majority of our time in life in one of these self-protection responses. That's a sign of a dysregulated nervous system. Now, a lot of things like traumas, past traumas, that sort of stuff, a lot of the times like that's why we're experiencing a dysregulated nervous system or like we're quote unquote stuck in these self-protection responses. But when I was studying some or while I've been studying somatic experiencing and somatic therapy and just with my background in eating disorders and disordered eating and just nourishing the body as a nutritionist, it's been so interesting to me to see how tightly linked like nourishing our bodies or lack of nourishment is tied to our nervous system and these self-protection responses that so many of us are stuck in right especially this fight or flight so a lot of us are experiencing these like symptoms and I'm kind of like using air quotes and stuff here but like we, we feel like we have anxiety or we feel like we have all of these symptoms maybe 
And it's so it's been so interesting to me. And I get really curious about how much of anxiety or these symptoms that we experience are related to not nourishing our bodies properly and fully and just getting enough nourishment into our bodies. Like it really would be so interesting to see how many people's lives would change if they were able to nourish themselves properly or if they, you know, were able to do that work in order to get to this place of nourishing themselves properly. So anyways, it's a whole topic that I am super, super, super interested in. And I am grateful because this is also something that I help pretty much every single one of my clients with. I have a full week of clients ahead of me this week and most of them came to me for support with this exact thing among other things. So, you know, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or you feel like you've been, you know, hanging out with me on social media and stuff for a while and you just feel like maybe connected to me or interested in working with me, like I said before, just know that I would love to support you on this journey. This is what I do for a living and I am just so grateful to be doing this work. So like I said, my contact info is in the show notes. Hello at megdoll.com is by far the best way to reach me. Yes, you can send me a DM on Instagram. Am I guaranteeing that I'm going to see it? No, because this weekend, I just realized that Instagram has all sorts of hidden folders. Yes, I know about the message requests on Instagram, but then there's like this hidden folder that I did not know was there. I was just like mind blown because there were so many messages sitting in there for me. So that's a long winded way of me saying, you know, I welcome Instagram messages. Don't be scared to message me on Instagram. I hope none of you are like scared of approaching me at all. I don't think I'm that type of person to be like scared of sending a message to. But anyways, I just want to be really clear that like, do not hesitate to reach out to me. However, I would really be sad if you sent me a message and for some reason I just didn't see it. So if you want to send me a message and get in touch with me, especially to just connect about potentially working together in a one-on-one setting, email me. Email is hands down the best way to get a hold of me. So with all that being said, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and I am going to be back with a brand new episode next week. Thanks for listening, my friends. Have a great one. Thank you.